On this week's episode of the Sonic Truth Podcast, we welcome the CMO of Odyssey, Paul Suchman. Paul and our host Scott Simonelli discuss Odyssey's rebrand, as they were formerly Entercom, and why the creation of the Sonic brand was so crucial to their new identity as Odyssey. Also, why other brands should take their audio identity as seriously as the visual parts of it. We hope you enjoy the episode and welcome again to the Sonic Truth. Welcome to the Sonic Truth. Uh, we have Paul Suchman here, the CMO of Odyssey. Uh, welcome, Paul. Thanks, Scott. It's great to spend time with you. You're a terrific partner to us, and you're building a great business. So it's it's always a pleasure to speak to companies who are innovating like yours. Oh, thank you. And great to be partnering with you as well. It's, it's the world of audio needs a lot of companies collaborating together, and we're excited to continue to do that uh, with, with you and then the whole team there. Um, maybe just give us a little bit of background on who you are and, and how you got here today. Sure. So I am uh, not a native to the audio space. I grew up in the advertising world. I started my career uh, in the on the agency side of the business out of school. I started as an account in the account management program at YNR in on the West Coast in LA. I spent a lot of my career in agencies. Um, great stints at BBDO. Great stints at Ogilvy. Really very different types of agencies, but focused on really helping clients use creativity and strategy to drive business transformation. Uh, I made the leap to the enterprise side and, and became the CMO at a company called CBRE, which is the world's largest real estate commercial investment uh, and services firm. Uh, and spent uh, about six years there as their global CMO. And that was just an amazing, amazing experience. And when I didn't really know what I wanted to do after that experience, I met uh, my boss, uh, my, the CEO of Odyssey, David Field, and heard his vision for what he was doing in this space. And our business is as much a B2B business as it is a B2C business. I don't, I, I've tried to draw the parallels between commercial real estate and audio. The best I've gotten to is one is, is butts in seats and the other is ears on sound. But it's really not that dissimilar. You are appealing to a, a, a very wide audience group with a lot of different offerings. And it's, it's, um, it's been a fantastic ride to, to make that move. It's one of the most creative and exciting and dynamic companies and spaces I've ever had the privilege to be part of. An interesting journey. And I, I'm curious, actually, the, the audio aspect of it. You know, audio's had a an interesting life, right? It's obviously been around since the beginning of, of the human existence. Um, but in the, I would say the last few years, you know, it's, it's really taken on a different form. Right? When you look at the at smart speakers and AirPods and digital audio and all its forms, podcasting, et cetera, it's taken on a different role in people's lives. Um, what do you, what do you think kind of, as you come into it, the marketer, you know, CMO of a company that is focused on audio, right? Audio is, is so much of your product and so much of your business. And how do, how do you look at that? How's that different? So you're right. Audio has been around since the beginning of, of, of human beings. And it's, it's always been a way that humans have connected. What we've seen changed is how it's delivered and how it's consumed. But the, the fundamental tenets of it have not switched. And so that has been the opportunity, right, is to take all of this goodness, all of this DNA that lived inside our company as a traditional radio broadcaster, the second largest, but I would argue 
the most influential because of the connection we have in the communities we serve, with the talent we have, with the programming we have, and just bringing that to life digitally, bringing that to life in podcast, really building an event business around it. It's um, that's what appealed to me, and I think that is why it is it is on this meteoric growth. If you look at media now, Scott. And you look at all the different choices that advertisers have and, co and consumers have, just taking it from the advertiser perspective, we're seeing precipitous declines in linear TV consumption. People are going to, people are just different choices for their video consumption. We're seeing challenges with, with, um, with digital and social media. Trust issues exist there. Efficacy issues exist. Brand safety issues exist. What has remained more than resilient, but just powerful is audio because the trust is there, the continuity is there, people rely on it. And you know, for advertisers in traditional radio, when your brand lives in environments like that, people are more predisposed to accept and think about and act upon an advertising message. Um, that same tenant is in podcasting. It's a longer form conversation. Podcasters are out there with the same ravenous audiences, the same deep connections to the communities they serve, whether it be about sports or about news or any specific topic, a geographic topic. We, we, we work with a lot of real high caliber talent in the podcasting space. And one of the things that we hear over and over from them is that they can tell when a fan who they interact with is a podcast fan versus a fan of another medium that they're in. Because when they're a fan of them on TV or you know on stage, they're deferential. I'm a big fan, you know, I love what you do. When they're a pot when they're a podcast fan, it's like, so how'd your dinner turn out last night? What'd your kid get on that grade? And you know, are you and your wife? Is everything cool at home? And you know, what happened with the exterminator? It's such an intimate relationship. And that same relationship, that's always existed in the broadcast radio space, and it still does. It's now being brought to life digitally and in the podcasting. So it's the same basic tenets. Um, the advertising opportunity is different. You know, it's a smaller audience for, for, for the advertiser. It's higher CPM, but the value you're getting in the podcasting is, is, is really great. Yeah, no, it's a classic long tail equation, right? And then you have this on-demand delivery mechanism. And that relationship, though, it's that same. Like you said, those tenants are all still there. We'll be right back. With consumers moving rapidly toward more audio-centric lives, brands are increasingly looking to sound to reach them. The Veritonic Audio Logo Index analyzes consumer response to sonic brands. The resulting ranking is a glimpse into which brands are truly making their audio logo work for them. Reserve your copy of the 2021 Audio Logo Index by following the link in the episode description below or going to veritonic.com. So shifting gears a bit to the rebrand. Okay, yeah. so for those listening to this, you know, who don't know, it was enter not too long ago, I guess a few months ago, it was Entercom. Um, you know, and so now you've rebranded to Odyssey. It'd be cool to hear the pieces about this that are audio specific because audio branding is a, is a hard thing to, to get right. And rebranding is a hard thing to get right. So how did you do all that at the same time while being consumer facing business and, and ad sales and B2B and all that too, and a public company? So it's 
You got a lot on your plate. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so the rebrand wasn't a decision we woke up and we said, you know what, it's time to rebrand. This was a planned uh, work stream in a planned, long, transformational journey that we have been on over the last several years. We started Zentercom 53 years ago building this really amazing collection of radio stations in the most influential markets. And we acquired the assets of CBS Audio, and that multiplied our, our footprint in the radio space. It gave us access to their digital platform, radio.com. And then we made some very strategic acquisitions in the podcasting space, three really smart acquisitions with Pineapple Street Studios, Cadence 13, most recently Podcorn. I don't know if you're aware of our Podcorn acquisition, but that is a really innovative company and, and the team running that is just fantastic. We made a couple of smart acquisitions in the sports betting space, the burgeoning sports betting space, the QL Gaming Group. Um, and some really smart deals with, uh, with, with other publishers in that space. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves at this point where, uh, and I should say one more thing, is we were also investing inside the business, in talent, in technology, in programming, uh, really strengthening the quality of the content and the listener experience at every single touchpoint across every single format. So all of this together, we found ourselves looking at our looking as a classic house of brands, right? To use marketing speak, 230 radio brands, the podcast brands, radio.com, uh, the sports brands. And it was a confusing experience really for every audience we served. Our advertisers didn't necessarily understand the holistic value that we were able to deliver across the audio ecosystem. They were buying piece parts from us, not thinking about us as a multi-platform content and entertainment company. And consumers, consumers knew us. They would come in at one place and leave that place. Consumers didn't necessarily know. And again, with trust being such an important thing in the audio space, if we're delivering a great content experience, they are likely going to want to experience more content from that same brand. In the same way, you anytime you have brand affinity, you like Patagonia, you like your vest in Patagonia, you are going to be predisposed to buy more Patagonia products. Um, so, so our two core audiences, our, our, our listeners, and our, our partners, our advertisers, our clients didn't necessarily know the full value that we had. So we started on this project to actually put a master brand on top of this and come to the market with a single brand, a single voice with everything we do. By the way, that mean, doesn't mean the market-facing the market brands, the stations, the podcasting brands would go away. They're still there. They are just organized and endorsed. We are the branded house now. And what's worth mentioning is we started this project during the pandemic. We kicked it off last May. We just launched it on May on, on March 30th. So the entire project was done remotely and we have changed every single asset and launched to every single audience. Um, it was a really amazing, amazing process. I've been through lots of brand transformation projects in my career, but nothing as top to bottom, soup to nuts, 
uh, beginning to end in a challenging situation as this. So it was just an amazing journey. I'll tell you more about the brand and the name and all that, but I'll pause for a second. Yeah, how much headwind did, did you get? And, and how do you navigate through that? Like, well, we don't like this, or we're not ready for this. There's going to be, there's always going to be people resistant to change. Before we went into the pandemic, right? So we went into the pandemic in March. I think March is when things started to close down. A couple of months before that, we had our kickoff meeting for the year, and it was a live meeting, and it was about 400 of our senior most people gathering together in Austin, uh, and our CEO, David Field, was, was leading the organization, and I was doing some work on the brand and where we were going, and, and David came up uh, on the stage, and he took a poll. He said, how many people think it's time to change the brand? And 100% of the names went up. And then he asked the question again, how many people think that name should be Entercom and not a single name went up? How many people think it should be Radio.com? Because you could argue Radio.com was the second biggest brand. And that was, you know, that's where the tension was, your Entercom or your Radio.com. Because Entercom was a corporate facing entity that the ad community, the marketing community knew us as, and consumers either knew the market facing brands or Radio.com. Or- yeah, I have, I have a... Um- Radio.com branded smart speaker. What am I supposed to do with that? You have to, we'll have to, one? We have to upgrade you. We, we can upgrade <laughs> you right now. Now that becomes, Perfect. yeah. We, uh, we, yeah. So, so, so that'll uh, be my to do. Your story. Sorry, go ahead. So, so, so when the question was asked about Entercom, not a single hand went up. You know, people love that brand, right? There was a, there was a heritage to that brand, but people knew yes. it was time uh, to a, to a person. And when we asked the same question about radio.com, some hands went up, but it was a little more timid because, you know, where is the world going? It was less about the word radio, more about the word .com. We're not in a .com world anymore, right? Right. Radio is still very cool and there's so much to it. It was less about that. It was more about the .com. So our CEO took that on and he gave me the brief right there and said, let's do this. You know, there's pressure here, right? You're an audio company. <laughs> you got an audio name, even more so now. Um, you can't, you can't come without an audio logo, right? That'd be, that would be, uh, that would be ridiculous. So how, how much additional pressure did you feel to get this right? That maybe a, a typical brand, right? If you were still in the, in the commercial real estate realm or other, other verticals, like might not have done, right? What, what is the inside inside baseball, if you will, on how you kind of came to this process and the pressure you might have felt to get it right, given the nature of your business. When we thought about all of the elements that needed to go into the rebrand, there's the obvious, right? There's the logo, there's the color palette, there's the messaging, there's the brand architecture, there's all those fundamental elements, but the sonic identity that lived within Odyssey was as important as any one of those elements. And you're exactly right for the reason why, because we are an audio brand, because we spend every day, I meet with clients regularly. And one of the things that we always talk about is how does your brand sound? How does your, how do people interpret your brand when they experience it through their, through the ears? And by the way, that's not just the, the four chime Intel that everybody holds up as the original sonic brand that can be with customer service. How does it sound in an audio environment? How about when you're interacting with it in a screenless environment, whether that's on a car or with a smart speaker, how does your brand sound? So that sonic identity, it really goes beyond the logo, but for us, it was imperative to have that because we're also having those conversations with clients of 
What should my sonic identity be? And we also saw it as an opportunity because our platform, we're reaching 170 million people month after month after month. We want them to really know who we are when they hear our brand and, and almost get that sense of comfort and trust and smile and likability when it's when it's like, yep, that brand. It's authenticity, right? I mean, it's right. like, it's hard to, I was actually listening to a book this morning, um, you know, it's talking about authentic, authenticity is not a, a thing, it's a practice, right? You know, something you practice all the time. And so, you know, audio in particular, like to have authenticity, it's like, it kind of has to be conveyed, just, you know, kind of right when you hear it, but it has to be able to be, you can't just do it and abandon it. Like you have to continue to, to leverage it uh, in the same way that, and you have to stick with it. And so let's let's um, actually, if you don't mind, let's play it and you can uh, tell us a little bit about it. Use the best practice. I'll just throw it out there. You used melody, right, which is the best practice in all of our research. You know, so tell us a little bit about just the sounds that we heard. Right. So it was important to have a melody sound, right? We are definitely connected to music. We are connected to news. We are connected to sports. And even the human voice has melody to it. The best human voices. When you hear a really great voice on air, online, there's a melody to it. So we wanted to absolutely have that. We spent a lot of time thinking about the signature of it, the pacing of it. We knew we wanted it to be fast. We wanted it to be memorable. So we put all the attributes that we put towards the master brand into that. And we did work with an outside firm and it's very much the same kind of process. We, we worked with their composers, we worked with their strategy people and we ran the gamut and went into different places. But for us, there was even a more of an element. What you played was our hero sound, right? That is our, our core sound. We touch so many aspects of the audio ecosystem, whether it's broadcast, podcast, digital. And then within that, we touch the different genres, right? Classic rock. We touch pop. We touch R&B. We touch sports. We are, we are spread across so many medium and so many formats that our brand has to have elasticity and flexibility. And we wanted to make sure that the sound did too. And we could create sub-identity, sub-pieces sub within that, but with all family together. So it was never disparate, but it was always contributing to the master brand's equity. And I think you have a couple there and you can play a couple and we can, we can go, go, you play, you play the hero, play the hero again, and then play another genre. You got it. Let's go for classic rock. We already talked before the podcast, you and I are classic rock guys. So, so there it is. It's the same basic melody. It's the same basic sound structure, but you can hear the rock overlay on it. And when it appears with the voices that are delivering that kind of content, the conversations that are around that content, the music that is being delivered within that genre, it just works well together, but it is still unmistakably Odyssey. Let's actually take melody as a little bit of a, of a launching point here. So we published every year an audio logo index. And kind of looking at that audio logo index, you know, what are some... You know, if you if you glanced at it, you, know, you see Melody there. You see companies like NBC and others. What do you think if you just in either in in the index or just in your own um, kind of travels? What are, what are some great audio brands out there? I mentioned Intel. To me, they are the original ones who who did that. And when Intel, before they even had their sonic identity they were positioning themselves as the classic ingredient brand, right? You didn't necessarily buy Intel, but when you bought products that had Intel in it, you knew it was made better, right? When right. you bought that IBM 
computer, seeing that Intel sticker on, on, the, on the laptop, you knew it, it, was, it was going to be a high-performing machine. That bar became such an association, that four-bar melody became such an association. They just reintroduced their identity, and I looked for them. When I was reviewing your content and, and the index before, um, you know, they test well, right? They tested really well in the UK. They tested really well in the US. The brands that you have put up there, you see a lot of those insurance brands, those consumer-facing insurance brands, right? And, and the insurance they, industry in general, man, do they, do they, are they good at audio? <laughs> well, they, and they're, they're terrific at it. And they, they believe in the power of advertising probably more than any other industry. And they spend a lot of money with reach and frequency. And so you hear it over and over again. You know, I think Farmers does a great job with that. You know, the, the CPG brands have always done the Coca-Colas and the, you know, the, 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 the QSRs have always done an amazing job with it. Uh, less so in the B2B space. I think that's a tougher space to make it yeah. happen. So, well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Paul. And um, looks like we'll be doing a couple of things together over the next few months. So hope, hopefully I'll get to see you uh, in person and then at least talk to you again soon. Thanks again. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for being a great partner. And I really enjoyed our time. Thanks for making, awesome. me, Thanks. making me a, host, a guest.